Blog Talk Radio. And I welcome you to Grassroots Holistic Talk Radio. I'm uh, really excited about this morning and sharing the energy with you and whatever knowledge that can be shared amongst us so that indeed we can elevate ourselves and our community. I'm also grateful to be of service uh, to you through this venue. Today is November 29, 2014, East and it's 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and I'm grateful for you to be tuning in. I give thanks to the One Most High, our ancestors and guardians, my mother-in-law, and my lovely wife. I'm an interfaith minister, a Reiki practitioner, shaman, and marathon runner, and I'm also an internet entrepreneur. I saw African drums and books relative to the African journey and experience on my website at drumsofchange.com. That's www.drumsofchange.com. And I would like to invite you to visit that site and spread the word. Um, Unfortunately, our guest, Dr. Chris Saltpaw, will not be with us this morning. And um, we look forward to having him on within the next week or two to follow up on our discussion about health practices and how to maintain a healthy heart, how to reverse any type of disease that you may have, and to live a healthy, fulfilled life. I thought, though, that this morning would be appropriate to discuss and review a book that I reviewed in the past, a few years ago, a book titled The Community of Self by Dr. Naeem Akbar. And I was compelled to go to my library and and uh, my den and pull out the book. I was looking at a few books that I thought might be um, appropriate to address the situation that we have in, uh, in our community here in the United States, uh, community in Ferguson, Missouri, with uh, uh, Brother Michael Brown being killed by a police officer in an unjust matter, and the officer being uh, proven to be uh, non-guilty, to be guilty, to not guilty, rather, for this uh, tragic event. And, uh, indeed, the uproar that ensued following that decision by the uh, the jury that uh, was charged with making that decision. The... uh, anguish that the parents are feeling. I send uh, my condolences and and heartfelt um, 
prayers that they can be consoled as much as possible and, and go through the healing process as we in the community throughout the world of the African diaspora and those who are not African as well are going through a healing process. And hopefully we can come to terms in terms of what needs to be done, what changes need to be implemented so that these events do not occur again. Indeed, we need to, I think, start with self in terms of correcting what needs to be corrected within ourselves, especially those of us who are elders who who will be in a position to teach those who do not have the experience of the of life's journey and lessons that uh, one has as you become an older person and more experienced with the hurdles and the challenges in living life here in the United States and throughout the world, especially within the African diaspora. So I chose the book titled The Community of Self by Dr. Naeem Akbar as a um, opportunity to revisit what he shares with us so that indeed we can have this conversation amongst other types of conversations which will assist us in our healing process and our healing journey and also to bring about unification within our community. He goes, he starts on by stating that his book was initially conceived and written in the early 1976, and it was a product of his efforts to develop a concept for his Office of Human Development, which was then named the Nation of Islam. And the Office of Human Development no longer exists, and neither does that version of the Nation of Islam. And he goes on to state that his desire to develop a meaningful and useful concept of human development that would be liberating for human beings persists. And he has since authored three other small books following this one on its original form. And each one was attempting to tackle some aspect of the very complicated problems confronted by human beings in this time and in this place because of his primary commitment to the often ignored African-American tribe of which he states that he is a proud member, as well as myself. So his efforts have most often been directed to that population. And the human dilemma does not come in colors, he observes, and the human dilemma comes not just in colors, but in races or nationalities. But the dilemma takes on particular qualities as a result of those characteristics, particularly here in North America. One cannot discuss the human condition without identifying the ethnic and racial qualities of the group under consideration. It has become increasingly clear, however, that there are universal principles of human development which have relevance to all human beings and in all times and in all places. But they must be discussed in the context of the environmental realities which define or distort the concept of peoplehood. Oddly enough, 
Dr. Naeem Akbar states that, oddly enough, the community itself was the smallest of the books that he has done, and in many ways it's the most general of the group. But despite this, however, it has been the most popular. Mainly, people in all walks of life have commented that this small booklet did more to help them see themselves in a clearer light than anything they had read. And it is his desire for the book to be of service, and it seems to have accomplished this goal. So I'm going to delve into certain areas of the book which I find to be very uh, profound. And hopefully we can have a discussion. Those of you in the chat room, if you would like to share your thoughts on air, please be feel free to uh, press your number one button on your phone. And that number is 516-590-0140. That will uh, link you into the show, and you can share your thoughts and comments. The um, developing and liberating concept of human development represents one of the real challenges of this terminating 20, 20th century, which he, this is going back the year of, uh, of 1976, so we're now into the 21st. And he talks about technology in the modern world, which has far surpassed its psychology. Our speed and efficiency in moving, communicating, and processing information has gone considerably beyond our understanding of ourselves, our human condition, and our responsibility. Human relationships have seriously deteriorated from a higher level at periods of less technological advancement. There is more personal unhappiness, dissatisfaction, and frustration that exists when material resources were much less developed. The most advanced nations, technology seems to be the most underdeveloped ones humanly with humanity. There seems to be a diminishing concern for the weaker person and an insensitivity to the aspirations of the needy. And basic moral life is in jeopardy in the wake of expanding individualism and relative ethics which encourages people to do their thing with little concern for the collective good or even the natural laws. And I find that to be prevalent today, here in the year of 2014, the 29th of November. What he perceived to be a trend has now manifest, which explains why, why rather, we are in the condition in which we find ourselves. But Dr. Akbar goes on to state that one solution that he recommends or that recommends itself in the wake of these human difficulties is the need for a revolutionary concept of human development. People no longer know their nature as human beings and have even less respect for the responsibility as thinking beings. Self-knowledge is at an all-time low, and with it, it's human dignity. Right-wing 
Evangelism won't solve the problems, though there is a need for a revival in the moral values of Western people. People will not grow when they are intimidated into moral control because of a fear of hell and fire. Because of a fear of hell and fire and damnation. Human dignity grows and remains strong when people are encouraged to understand their own human processes and what they possess as a higher self-human being, high consciousness self-human being. And the intersection and interaction of those processes and the natural flow of the cosmos. And people with such understanding respect good good conduct and follow it as a definition of survival and progress. Fear as an instrument of moral conduct simply drives people away from the feared situation and encourages them to defy the moral standards of a threat as soon as they feel free. The community of self talks about yourself, myself, and ourselves. The context is the African-American experience not to reduce the generalization ability of the concepts of one group of people, but because this is his cultural context, says Dr. Naeem Akbar, the African-American experience stands as one of the strongest examples of high human principles being able to endure despite environments of extreme opposition, and there is instruction in what we can offer the world about being human. Because of the seriousness of the assault on the African-American Our situation is also precarious. We need the attention of our thinkers, our thinkers within our community, and ourselves. We need to restore our communities and to understand and develop our communities of self. We need assistance in correcting some serious problems in our psychology, our education, our economics, our families, and our religious thinking. The community of self addresses all of these areas, and it is intended to provoke thought and action. It is intended to stimulate an improved understanding of who we are, what we are, and our potential to be something as valuable to the world as we have been before and are destined to be again. There are numerous people that Dr. Naeem Akbar states, he says that there are numerous people who deserve credit for this revision of the community itself. And the most significant contribution has been Brother Abdul Hasib Martin from New York City. Abdul is a poet and writer, and in his own right, and because of his outstanding skills as a journalist, his voluntary voluntary editing of the entire manuscript makes this book much better than its uh, predecessor. He spent hours laboring over the manuscript of this book, coming to Florida to discuss it with him, and the expendable, considerable, self-initiated effort to make the book successful. And he, his suggestions have been invaluable, and he is actually responsible for getting this project going despite 
long-standing intention to revise his book. I'm going to be reaching out to Dr. Naeem Akbar and, Doc, and Brother uh, Abdul Hasib Martin so that they can uh, hopefully consider being, being guests on our show and also to be engaged in, in a conversation and dialogue uh, within the coming weeks and months uh, throughout the uh, African diaspora, specifically here in the United States, so that we can delve into uh, the process and the conversation that needs to be had so that we can heal uh, within our community from what we are suffering. The self is a kind of community. It has within it the specialists which one finds within any community. And these specialists perform certain important functions for the benefit of the whole community. The road to inner peace is the same road to outer peace. Such peace is acquired by harmonious cooperation of these members under the leadership of the common good. Now, Dr. Naim goes on to uh, speak about the motors of the self. He states that among the earliest citizens in the self-community, are the drives and instincts. They are called drives because they are movies of the self. They are sometimes called instincts because people are born with these drives and drives are not taught through the object of goal of the drives, though the object of goal of the drives is learned by man. Now, I, I must uh, pause for a moment and state that um, those of you who may not have uh, heard me review books by Dr. Nani Makbar on my show, I might have neglected to state that as an author, and what qualifies him to write books such as The Psychology of Self. Dr. Nani Makbar is a PhD in psychological psychology uh, at Florida State University. He is also a prominent lecturer and author and recognized expert on the psychology of African Americans. He is a graduate of the University of Michigan, and Dr. Akbar has served as a professor of psychology at Morehouse College and at Norfolk State University. So uh, this revised and expanded version of the community of self is uh, Dr. Akbar's fifth book related to the issue of a holistic human psychology and an increased understanding of the African-American experience from an Islamic and an Afrocentric perspective. So I thought it, it would uh, be uh, uh, most important that I share that information with you. Now, let's pick up from where I left off. Uh, we were talking about drives. He states that drives are not taught, though the object our goal of the drives is learned by man. And all of these drives can be included under two major types of classes. One type of drive is movement towards what gives pleasure or satisfies. And the other drive is the reverse in that it moves one away from what causes pain or dissatisfaction. And these drives are the mental spokesman for the physical body and its needs. Those things necessary for physical survival require mental representation. Food, for example, is necessary for man's physical survival. So food brings pleasure or satisfaction to a hungry man. So he is attracted to food. 
and hunger causes pain or dissatisfaction. So the person is driven away from the conditions that causes hunger, which is an empty stomach. In future shows, um, my wife and I, uh, my wife often joins me, and uh, should I say joins us on our, on our show, and, and we uh, are now engaged in really uh, an exciting exploration in terms of proper nutrition. And, and just, you know, each day it seems, and even during the day, becoming more and more excited about the proper way of, of nourishing the body not just through food, but through uh, uh, practices such as yoga, proper breathing, uh, getting rid of toxins through all types of modalities, such as uh, practicing yoga and um, uh, uh, certain foods that can cleanse the body and get rid of the toxins, and, and also exercise, and also uh, just dealing with mind, body, and spirit, being able to meditate properly in, in prayer, or whatever form of meditation you choose, uh, establishing a habit of uh, maintaining positive affirmations within your thoughts, and being around people who are uh, nourishing and, and, and going moving forward as opposed to being stagnant and moving backwards with negative thought, negative habits, negative mindset. So uh, we look forward to sharing these thoughts and having a conversation with you uh, uh, about this particular area of life that needs to be addressed so that indeed we can have a healthy body and healthy spirit, healthy mind, and be able to deal with the challenges that we find within our community. Now, Dr. Naeem Akbar goes on to state that anything that causes damage to the physical borders of the self is experienced as painful. Cuts, burns, collisions, etc., are all potentially damaging to the physical parts of the, of the self. And when such threats to the physical self are present, the entire community of the body becomes immediately motivated for fight or flight. The entire physical self and mental self is alerted by such treats, the memory, reason, senses, and the ego or focus their specialized capacities on the threat. He goes on to state that memory of previous dangers and previously dangerous situations and people can set off the same threat avoidance. Alarm occurs when the real danger is present, and this causes anxiety or fear. And very often we are nervous or anxious simply because we're in the presence of a person or situation which was threatening at some other time. And that could explain why, why our young men and women, but specifically our young boys and young men, brothers in our community of the African diaspora, have within their DNA, within their psyche, this uh, certain condition of what Naeem Akbar talks about. Dr. Akbar talks about the potential danger when one senses that they're being threatened, the danger that comes into the mind that, yes, indeed, either fight or flight. And unfortunately, that was what happened within this particular scenario in Ferguson, Missouri. It stated, allegedly, 
that uh, there was a fight. And then there was a flight. The brother attempted to run away. And then he ran back to the to the officer and what have you. And, and then, of course, he got shot and killed. So could it be that indeed, with even myself for that matter, I often speak to my wife if I'm driving the car and I'm pulled over because of a traffic violation, perceived traffic violation or suspicion or whatever the case may be, then I will take my hands and place them on the dashboard and interact with the officer with, by stating, yes, officer, and, and what is the problem? How can I be in compliance so that indeed we can get this encounter resolved and, and move on? So those are things that we need to share, uh, how to behave when one is in a situation which can prove to be harmful, if not indeed so dangerous that you would lose your life. But we have to understand that we've passed this on, this energy, this psychic uh, toxicity of, of being damaged to the point that we are innately fearful in certain situations. But if you're not equipped, if you're not a martial artist, if you're not a, uh, a person who's knowledgeable in terms of confrontation, in terms of uh, interaction with, with an adversary, and how to maintain yourself by breathing uh, properly, by uh, meditating in the instant about the situation, and going through the process so that you can evoke critical thinking, dealing with high self-orientation as opposed to lower self-orientation, then we have these incidents happening time and time again. And it has to stop. But it stops with self. It stops with self. So, as Dr. Naeem Akbar goes in the state, that the memory of previous dangers and previous dangerous situations and people that we encounter that trigger that, that apprehension can set off the same threat avoidance alarm that occurs when the real danger is present. And this causes anxiety and fear. And very often, we are nervous or anxious simply because we are in the presence of a person or situation which was threatening at some other time. Another present when we experience pleasure can become pleasurable. We then learn to seek anything that may have brought pleasure in the past. Money is not directly pleasurable, but because it provides for many physical pleasures most people are driven to acquire money. The drives are very necessary, especially for the physical survival of the person. They attract us to what sustains us or perpetuates us physically, and they move us away from the things that may be physically damaging to us. And if the drives are permitted to rule the self, the person becomes only a physical pleasure seeker. He is concerned only about what brings physical pleasure, food, sex, physical relaxation. And if the drives are given free reign, they will drive the entire community to seek only pleasure. Fear can come to rule, and the person is constantly nervous or anxious in his persistent drive 
to avoid pain. And I might say that that could explain why uh, those in our community use certain things to self-medicate. Number one, food, sex, and drugs, including alcohol. And that has been detrimental to us throughout the years. And there's another conversation that can be had in terms of why that, that has occurred. A lot of it has to do with the uh, the ruling class, as it were, the, the, the popular culture that entices us to emulate what is being advertised and and uh, what the media presents in terms of eating food indiscriminately. Uh, now you have the fast food industry. Things are changing, of course, but they need to change more so within ourselves, within our family, within our community. We cannot rely on the powers that be to give us instruction in terms of how to live a healthy life. Now, Dr. Akbar goes on to state that rulership by the drives can be very limited because the person is bound by physical pleasure and, and pain. And if a man is defined as mine, the person ruled by demands of the body is not a man. Senses in the self-community. Almost at the time of birth, the person begins to establish contact with the outer world by way of the body's windows known as the senses. And the senses are another very important part of the community of self. Sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch are the channels through which the self receives messages from the outer world. And without these windows into the world, the community of self would be locked behind a wall of darkness, silence, and complete isolation from the beautiful and informative physical world which surrounds us. And he goes on to state that the senses are to the community of self, but the communication is to the community of people. It is the basis of contact. Without such contact, there could be no exchange. There would be no growth within the community. So that leads me to think in terms of the, uh, the, the, the communication to the community of people. One of, in the African-American community, the basic mode of communication has always been the church or the place of worship. So we need to, I think, have a conversation about the responsibility that has been served greatly by the church in the past, but for some reason or other, it has ceased to have lost, it has begun to lose its, rather, lose its influence to many of us within the community who need it mostly. So that's, that, commun that communication has to be about who we are as a people, how we got here into this, in this country some 400 plus years. We cannot afford to uh, say that, oh, that happened in the past, let's move forward. You know, we, you know, how has that been working for us? We've suffered. Our youth mostly has suffered because they don't have any roots. If a tree has no roots, it ceases to grow. So many of us, if not most of us, know nothing about our family tree. And the roots of our family tree goes back to the motherland of, of Africa. We need to have a conversation 
about the rich history, the birthplace of man in Africa, how we were a supreme people. We had kings and queens, emperors, spiritual leaders of the highest level who gave direction. And indeed, we need to talk about the musicians and the purpose that they served, especially the African drummer. They were the healers within the community. They were the ones that gave guidance. Now we have people who are so-called musicians, but they're the ones who are spreading psyche, emotional, spiritual, and in some cases physical disease, enticing our children, enticing us as young adults and even the elders to succumb to lower self-orientation. So there needs to be this conversation. The word Sankofa comes to mind. We need to go back. We need to go turn back to what was good, to what worked for us. Leave and remove from us what is not good for us, which has been holding us back. So, Dr. Naeem Akbar goes in the state that the senses add to the drives and the direction for proper physical maintenance. They, they orient us towards those objects which satisfy the drives. They also provide windows into the divine relationship between the inner life of the self-community and the outer world. It is through these senses that man can gain some satis- satisfaction by the sensory relationship between inner needs and outer objects. These inner needs may emulate from the body or the other parts of the mind's community. And the processes of the physical world are also a source of instruction for the development of inner life. An observation of these processes is an essential part of learning these processes and making them a part of our growth. It is no doubt that the senses are a critical part of the community of self. But if the community relies on the senses as a rule of the self, then the self will suffer. The senses give only incomplete information about things, and often that which appeals to the senses might endanger the self-community. Total reliance on the senses for direction of the self-community can be quite destructive to the self. The senses often deceive in that they only provide surface information about the environment. The senses are ineffective in making judgments of the world and are equipped to guide only by impression. And even these impressions are often shaped by other parts of the mind's community. We must conclude that the senses are an important part of the community, but they make a poor ruler over the self. I think of pictures of my brothers and sisters in Ferguson breaking into a liquor store and into department stores and running out of the of the of the stores with liquor bottles in their hands and and beer and 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 this other things which some of them I guess could be essential if you're breaking into a delicatessen or a grocery store you need food you know milk and vegetables and fruits and so forth 
But I dare say that most things that were being taken were dealing with lower self-orientation. And that was because of the conditioning. And there's a reason for that happening. And that reason is because of the fact that indeed the elders in the community are doing the same thing, not breaking in, but when they go to the store to purchase something, that's what they're purchasing. So there's value given to that. If it's not uh, uh, healthy food and, and as such. But we're purchasing liquor. We're purchasing drugs. We're even duped into purchasing prescribed drugs, such as even alcohol. You know, that's legal. And smoking cigarettes. All that's legal. Doesn't make it good for you. Doesn't make it right. Again, critical thinking. And we have this collective uh, peer pressure that we're afraid to say anything to someone if we're on the path of cleaning ourselves and getting ourselves uh, in the direction of of, uh, of health and holistic health, that we're reluctant to tell uh, our brothers and sisters, family members even, and friends, associates, and again, going back to the church and other places of worship, where these habits are are inculcated within the uh, the, uh, the the traditions and rituals, where it's okay to be overweight, it's okay to smoke, it's okay to have a uh, a nip of liquor, as they call it. No, if this is something that's damaging our self and our community of self as a whole. We need to have the strength to leave those things alone, to reverse it. I know it's difficult. You can't go cold turkey, all of us. Now, I used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day at one time. I drank alcohol. You know, I, I happen to be now uh, a vegetarian. I've been one now approaching 27 years. My wife is a vegetarian approaching eight years, I believe. It's about eight years now. We don't indulge in any type of intoxicants, including alcohol. We exercise. Uh, we're even involved with uh, a, a cleansing modality. Uh, just yesterday, we purchased a product which deals with, uh, has a proprietary ionic formula uh, containing dissolved oxygen. And these are things which are not being shared within the community in general in terms of consuming a proper amount of minerals and enzymes and amino acids. We're going to discuss that in future in a future show very soon. Matter of fact, next week I'm going to uh, address that. I just wanted to deal with uh, our situation in our community uh, with regard to what's been happening in Ferguson. But this is what needs to be uh, this is a dialogue that needs to be shared within our community, is how to eat to live. How to exercise to live. How to think to live. All right, let's go further now with uh, Dr. Akbar's psychology of self, community of self, rather. He talks about 
emotional ego. Another prominent citizen in the circle of the self of community is the ego. The ego is the part of the self that speaks up for the rights of the individual. The ego's specialized function is to make sure that the individual needs of the person's self are not being violated. It approaches the environment looking for support of the individual person. And the ego also remains sharply tuned for dangers to the self-community. The tool used by the ego is emotion. The strong feelings which well up from inside of the person usually is the voice of the ego. It responds to support and attention by feelings of pride and love. It also responds to threat and neglect by sadness or hatred. And the ego has the capacity to involve and affect the entire community by its emotional alarms. Everything one sees or hears is more beautiful when the ego is feeling love. Everything seems gray and cloudy when it is sad. Many pleasant memories are recalled when the ego is happy, and many maddening memories rush to consciousness when ego is disturbed. When gripped by emotions, reasoning fails to function adequately. An ego is vital for the life of the community. When ego is not adequately developed, the entire community of self fails to support itself. One serious consequence of the slavery and societal oppression of African Americans was the retardation of the ego. When ego is retarded, people don't like themselves. When ego is retarded, people destroy themselves directly and indirectly without caring. When ego is retarded, it fails to motivate the memory to remember and the senses. Reasoning and other members of the community fall down on their job. He goes on to state that the ego can also be a tyrannical ruler over the, the com entire community. If it seizes control of the community, the entire self is forced to work for the individual needs only. The person sees and hears only what he or she wants to sense. People then remember only what they want to remember. They become unable to reason objectively. Instead, things are analyzed only as they affect the almighty I. Because the ego's only weapon is emotions, people ruled by ego become air-like people. These people are easily excited. They fall in and out of love easily. They become angry easily. They are easily offended, and they will cooperate with other communities only if it benefits themselves. The ego is also an actor. Its experience is primarily conscious, so it fails to involve itself with things which it cannot see. Ego changes its face and allegiance as selfish needs dictate. It is also committed to the best outcome of the person but it is a terrible ally for either other communities or wiser or more socially conscious parts of its own community. So again, we have found a necessary, a necessary citizen of the community, but it is clearly not an appropriate ruler over the self. 
Now we go into memory, another important member of the community of self. It is like the library or the archives of the mighty city. It stores the many records of experience which have gone into the building of the person. And from these work records of the memory, the person is guided by the light of previous lessons and rises above previous mistakes. The memory is a loyal community worker, worker as long as it does not seek to rule. Now, I, I relate to this memory piece that Dr. Akbar talks about in terms of our youth, young adults, and many of our elders. We have poor memory, or we have selective amnesia in terms of the, the history of our, of, of our uh, existence, our story of existence within the United States and how we got here. But even this not going back 400 plus years, let's go back this maybe just 50 years. During the Civil Rights Movement, during Jim Crow, the lynchings and so forth, how our ancestors had to live in order for us to live the life that we're living currently. Of course, there's a lot of room, a lot of room for improvement in our condition. But we have to be in a state of gratitude as much as possible, as often as possible, to understand that we stand on the shoulders. We have benefited from our parents, our immediate parents, and the sacrifices that they made, our grandparents, great-grandparents, and on and on down our family tree, to those ancestors that came across through the Middle Passage and so on slave ships, so-called slave ships, and the the price that they had to pay. And to remember that the 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 wealth in this country was through the blood, sweat, and tears of our ancestors. Now, once that's in your psyche, then I, I dare to say that indeed there is a revolution that happens within the community of self that you have to maintain yourself to be on the, the trajectory of self-improvement. And when you're engaged in self-improvement, you're also engaging in the improvement of your family, of your spouse, your children, your relatives, your siblings, and then the community as a whole within your immediate environment and then throughout the African diaspora, throughout the world for that matter within other communities that are that are not of African descent as well. Because this is a human condition. If one cell in the body is cancerous, it will contaminate the other cells. It will metastasize throughout the body. So we, we have a, a, a body, a community body, that is cancerous, it is contaminated. This condition can be reversed, but it starts with self. So Dr. Akbar goes on to state that if the memory loses sight of its position as a resource and seeks to dominate the community of self, the self ceases to grow and lives in the chambers of the past. Memory sometimes loses sight of its proper position as a foundation for the present, 
and tries to exert its influence over the future. And when this happens, the self finds itself imprisoned by old memories and past experiences which were negative. And such imprisonment destroys life because the self keeps looking at the present as if it was the past. The past becomes the ruler and the self repeats the old patterns of living over and over. We must constantly strive to identify the proper ruler for our community of self. We can know the proper ruler because it is the one in the community which strives to maximize the growth of the community. The proper ruler of the community is the one whose interest is not for personal advancement, but for the total advancement of the community. We can easily see them then that memory is an important part of the community. In fact, without memory, there would be little continuity in the community. But we can also see that if memory rules the community, the community lives in the past. Now the organization of self, another important member of selfhood is reason. And reason works along with the other members of the self-community. Reason has a, a, the, a most important role in the community as to the drive, senses, ego, and the memory. Reason brings order, organization to the information brought in by the senses. And with reason, we know that everything that is green is not grass. With reason, we know that our senses give us incomplete information about the world. With reason, we also use things to help us make effective judgments. We are able to distinguish between yesterday's experience and today's reality. We are equipped with reason to classify experience in terms of time, space, quality, and other dimensions. And reason gives meaning or interpretation of experiences. Because of its order, reason helps make the environment predictable and more manageable. The reasoning activity in the community of self works throughout the community, keeping order and organization. And if the reasoning, however, tries to rule the community, the self becomes like a machine. The self will be unable to enjoy the good things of the senses because the reason would always try to put life and the world in a category of our class. There would be no humor because funny things usually are unexpected. There would be no surprises because complete order would be would make everything predictable. There would be no real enjoyment because reason would always be classifying and qualifying, and reason could be cold and unfeeling. It judges the world on the basis of category or characteristic only, and it fails to consider sensitive inner needs. It fails to consider factors that are not always observable, Reason is also insensitive to moral imperatives. It judges only on the basis of facts, and therefore reason is an important citizen in the community of self. There can be no self without some order. But if unfeeling order seeks to rule the self, it will distort peace and happiness within the self. I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge the fact that my lovely wife just walked into the studio. Hi, hon. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Good morning, everyone. It's so nice to have you here with us. 
he goes on to uh, state that uh, there's an aspect of the self which he calls the self-accusing spirit. The community of self becomes a community of justice as the conscious begins to develop. The conscious is a very important member of the community in that it polices all components of the self, and the conscious introduces a value of good or bad, right or wrong, to the senses and the observation of the environment around them. It even exercises control over the drives of pleasure and avoidance of pain by the same value dimension. And its power is so great that pleasure can be denied for extended periods because the denial is valued as good. Considerable pain can be endured in the name of right. Again, I repeat that. Considerable pain can be endured in the name of right. Now, what does he mean by that? I mean, he's stating that the ego, which concerns itself only by the need of I, surrenders under the power of a developed conscience which restrains the I for the good of the we. And even the organizational sense called reason, which usually dominates by its rigid consistency, bows under the tempting inference of that sense of right and wrong. The conscious or the self-accusing spirit, as it is called in the Holy Quran, the holy book of the Muslims, is the moral sense of man who follows that particular religion. It helps him to maintain justice within himself while guiding him to seek justice with other selves. It moves beyond the simple mental function of determining what is and what is not. It urges man to choose directions based on what is good for the wider community of minds in which the mind, man, and woman finds him or herself. It is observed of self, or should I say, it is an observant of self, an urgent sacrifice of ego for the wider self. It urges the self towards development and enhancement of the highest possibilities of itself. Without the conscious, the community of self would have no upward direction. The community would operate only in the basis of what it senses with its senses and the desires with its drives. It would drive its please, to please its ego and to follow its memorized reason of organization. And the community would have no basis for improving itself because there would be nothing to guard it against self-indulgence. All creatures on earth operate under the force of instinct or natural law. However, the unique feature which distinguishes man from all other parts of creation is will. Man's will frees him from the limitations of his drives unlike any other animal. Man's power to create lies in his will and its ability to aspire beyond what is immediately available. So unlike other parts of the self-community, which are all geared towards achieving their separate goals, the will is set to organize and harmonize all components of the self. And thus the man's will is also his fallibility because it is his limited free will that permits him to fall victim to other parts of the self. 
So let me just go on and, and, and into another area of the book, which we're talking about uh, specifically the will of us as African Americans and our experiencing experience rather as as Africans within the Americas. Though we are fully equipped and fully capable of conducting our lives freely, we have become so accustomed to giving our lives over to other influences that we do not realize that we have the necessary equipment. We actually run from the opportunity of exercise influence of our own lives because so many outer influences compete for authority. And despite honesty, express doubts about the appropriateness of those authorities, we as a people persist in giving ourselves to them simply because of the habit and the carefully programmed appeal that they have for us. Experts in mind control, attitude manipulation, motivational analysis specialize in inviting us to be controlled by the many outer influences available in this society. And of course, the potential profit which comes from having a large number of slaves is the most obvious motive for inviting people into such voluntary surrender of their freedom. And of course, there is the power motive, which is strong in some who simply seek to be in the controller's seat for the influence that most people are controlled by. The idea of being popular and emulated serves as such a powerful appeal for some egos that even without material profit, they delight in manipulating people's desires. Once we have decided to accept our freedom and not to escape it, we have the huge job of taking responsibility for our freedom. And this is what is so frightening about reducing the outer influences over our lives. Most of us don't know what to do with our lives when we have the opportunity to, to conduct them. The Creator has given us authority over our lives and over much of our creation, but only a few are human enough to exercise that authority. The important thing to believe and remember is that our proper orientation has been set. We need not fear where our lives will go if we reestablish control over them. The problem is not with the direction that will emerge from freedom, but from the slavery from which we find ourselves and find ourselves being in such comfort. People who control our lives, or should I say people who control their lives, have no problems. The people who have problems are the ones who let other influences control their lives. The alcoholic has problems because he lets alcohol control him. The hulum has problems because he lets his criminal and greedy influences control him. The prostitute has problems because she lets her pimp control her. And once we have come to listen to the inner voice of freedom and will, our choices will be consistent with the correct direction for our growth. Growth is a natural process. Stagnation is unnatural. The voice of freedom and will grows louder 
with practice. And since our ears have been turned away from the inner voice, it is difficult to hear, at least initially, the very act of directing, uh, directly turning off the disturbing outer imbalances and influences, which makes it easier to hear the inner sounds. The practice of listening to ourselves makes our ability to hear ourselves improve. In other words, self-control improves self-control. The exercise of will increases the strength of will. The exercise of freedom makes us free. The big task of taking responsibility for ourselves forces us to be creative. We must search within for the direction which offers us a fulfillment and gratification. We must seek to entertain ourselves using our own intellect rather than relying on someone else's intellect. We must seek out people who foster our growth rather than dragging us deeper into the fad of influences. When we look to others, we must not do it as apes who imitate, but in search of ways to direct ourselves. Our time must be utilized in free endeavors rather than the slavish endeavors of doing what the influences have told us to do. Again, this is difficult at first because we are so accustomed to being responsible, we're so unaccustomed actually to being responsible for ourselves, but once we have taken the responsibility, the door to creativity is open for us. As African Americans, freedom up until now this, at this point in this discussion, we have dealt with the problem and process of gaining control over our individual lives. However, the problem is a serious one and is responsible for many of the difficulties that we confront in our community to lives today. The disastrous number of teenage pregnancies, divorces, alcoholism, drug abuse, suicides, imprisonment of young black men, we now have over two million of us imprisoned. I must state, and that is a, a sad state of affairs. We need to reverse that, that trend immediately. And that starts with what Dr. Anayim Akbar talks about the community of self. Each one, reach one, teach one. Dr. Anayim goes on to talk about that the imprisonment of young black men and even economic problems can be understood as symptoms of African-Americans' lives totally out of control. The group problem is no more than the individual problem multiplied as the individual problem is the group problem reduced. We need to work on resolving both the individual and the group problem at the same time. African Americans have been essentially controlled by outer influences since being brought to North America 400 plus years ago. In fact, all Africans, uh, all Americans are rather, but the influences operate at some advantage for European Americans. Since we as a community are so accustomed to listening to other noises, we can't listen to the inner voice of our own ethnic and community life. A pattern set in slavery persists as we listen to 
the directions and influences established by the former slave masters during slavery. The responsibility of our lives was taken from us so that we would accept the authority of the enslavers. The information and the voice of our own historical and cultural experience was silenced by the slave masters. If we could have heard the voice of our own history, as I mentioned earlier in, in the show, heard the voices of our ancestors, our own religions, our own culture, then we could have remained free. Freedom was not given willingly, but it was taken from us. The problem that faces us almost 400 years after political emancipation is the need for psychological emancipation. We have not regained our freedom because we have not learned to listen to the inner voices of ourselves. We still listen only to the ideas, interpretations, explanations, and directions that are given to us from outside of our communities. And of course, that outer voice, like all of the outer influences, is much louder. So it usually drowns out the small voice of freedom from within that has been stifled for almost 400 years. It is not an easy thing to hear the inner community voice, but freedom does not come until we hear it. At this point, I'm going to take a short pause, and we will return with the community of self. Uh, thank you. We're back. And uh, as we continue with the community of self, I will begin to state what Dr. Aima Akbar talks about with the need for us being able to face our problems. It is therefore necessary to turn off the outer influences, which the same way that individually we turn off the radios and televisions that drive us away from freedom, we must identify the independent voice that comes from ourselves in order to locate the road to freedom. Every community has an independent voice. It is the independent voice of a people that is expressed in their culture. And once they hear the voice of their own culture, then and only then will they gain respect from other cultural groups. The independent voice does not require us to dominate anyone else, but it does require us to dominate or control ourselves. Baba, how did we get away from being in control of ourselves or... And I'm going, I'm going to uh, compartmentalize that from the standpoint of African Americans. Did we ever have control? 
I would say that, that, that we had at one time more control than we have now. Because the, the closer we get to when we first came here, the more we have amongst us those who did not forget who we were. Those of us who live in the Deep South were forced to remember what our ancestors went through. And then indeed, some of us actually remembered the life that our ancestors experienced in Africa. So I think, number one, through Christianity and the way that it was shared, and in some cases, in many cases, forced upon us. Many of us were forced to become Christians and to practice uh, Christianity and so that we would not be beaten or killed, for that matter. I remember our dear friend, um, Dr. Maladoma, mm-hmm. how he relays an account in his book. I believe the book was The Water and the Spirit that he talked about when he was kidnapped from his village yes. and forced yes. to adopt the ways of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, and, and, and the interesting thing about that account of Dr. Somme is that he's our age group. This is an ancient history we're talking about. We're talking about a contemporary man who's alive and well, who travels all around the country teaching and healing, and he personally experienced Mm -hmm. being literally ripped out of his village against his will. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so when we look at it in that respect, we're not talking about ancient history. No, we're not. However, here in the States, clearly, Many, if not the majority of us, have forgotten as a result of just so many variables, trying to compete in the corporate world to feed our families. So we forget. We're chasing the dollar. Is that a criticism? Absolutely not. We have to feed our families. But this uh, collective amnesia, is so strategically put together mm-hmm. that we don't even aware that we're not even aware that it's happening sometimes. Absolutely. And I think this is put together because of as we were talking earlier about ego. Individual and also collective ego. I'm gonna back up for a moment just that thought in terms of uh, Christianity. In other religions and spiritual practices, whether it even be those that originated in, in the motherland, that you have individual groups, churches, temples, shrines, mosques, as it were. And I say that with reservation, of course, and, and in all apology, don't need to, to affront anyone. 
this is just from my humble observation, but there seems to be this ego piece collectively, our church is better than that church. And I've lived that. I've, uh, grew, I've grown up in that atmosphere. People approach me, do you have a home? Well, then you need to come to ours, and, and, and we'll welcome you. This is a good home. A but worship. when you get there, you're not welcomed many times. You're abused and you're beaten abused, down. And you find yourself being exposed to a pecking order. Yeah. You know, there's there's uh, classism. You know, how much money do you make? Do mm-hmm. you own a home? Do you have a car? How attractive is your wife? How handsome is your husband? What do you wear to church each week? What are you wearing to church and so forth? You know, as opposed to really addressing, or should I say engaging, and the reason why you came there in the first place, which was to worship the Most High. Worship, healing, and information, heal. information that you could pass on to help your family, friends, and others. Yes. Yes. So that's a conversation that needs to be had, and I'm looking forward to that happening within uh, our communities throughout the African diaspora, uh, throughout the United States. It has to happen, and at this point, I'm not worried about who gets mad at me and who doesn't. <laughs> no, really, because at this, it, it's gone too far. It, that expression, stop the madness or stop the insanity, mm-hmm. that has to occur in venues such as these. Now, do we have the absolute truth? No. Whatever we think and do and whatever our orientation is is subject to scrutiny also. But what I always suggest to people is if you're in an organization where you feel beaten down, where you feel condemned, you need to take a look at that. I can't say I have the absolute truth. I'm not guru and -hmm. would never profess to be. But I have a wealth of information based on my experience that I'm able to assist people with their journey, and it's just that simple. I don't have all the answers. But if I meet someone and I see by their behavior, by their conversation, by their demeanor, that they're beaten down, they're unhappy, they feel judged, they feel criticized, they feel condemned, and they're not moving forward in their lives, yes, I absolutely am qualified to assist. Mm -hmm. And from that standpoint, um, that's a work that people are afraid to be judged, people are afraid to be criticized, but as elders, I, I always say, we have a responsibility to tell people the truth. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes, indeed. We have a responsibility along with telling the truth. Some people may get mad at me. Well, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day you'll figure it out for yourself and you'll decide not to be mad at me anymore. That's okay, too. I'm not looking for anyone's validation. But I am looking to assist people with their journey. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Amen. I say so the Christianity piece that you're talking about, it's big because I've you know, I've lived it. I'm an ordained Christian minister. Mm-hmm. Christianity isn't something to you know, to, to wear as a badge. 
it's something that should be used to assist people in healing and developing a personal relationship with the Most High, not to use to launch around and say, I am this, I have that. Anybody who knows me know that I rarely discuss all the good degrees I have on my wall because it's not about that. Mm-hmm. And we and I my personal experience is back in two thousand nine when I was on my deathbed, those degrees didn't mean a hell of beans. They sure didn't. Mm-hmm. It's important it's important to have so that you can be qualified as someone able to do whatever it is your discipline is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. But when you're on your deathbed, you find that that's not important. You don't even think about it. You don't even remember that you have them, right. crying out loud. <laughs> I wasn't thinking, mm-hmm. I have a doctorate in this. Or I. That was the furthest thing from my mind. Right. I was laying there thinking, oh, shoot, mm-hmm. I might leave this earth. And you didn't use that as a calling card to get preferential treatment by the nurses and other doctors. Again, it just never right. occurred to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't even remember. I was in such a fragile health, physical state of health, I didn't even remember that I had them. Yeah. Remember, I couldn't even remember, mm-hmm. I couldn't even mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. how a phone number. Right. I remembered my name, but I couldn't remember my phone number. Mm-hmm. A phone number that I've had for years and years, because you know I had my phone number from, God, maybe 30, 40 years ago, I always kept that phone number. Right. And to be laying on your deathbed, and you can't even remember your own phone number. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember our address, but I could remember my name. Thank God for that. Absolutely. So I'm just saying, when we talk about, you know, to hear you talk about how, uh, to hear you talk about how, you know, this particular group is acting superior over this particular another group, and you know, come on, people, y'all gotta let that go. It's time to let that go. Absolutely. Strip yourself spiritually naked, okay, and take a look at your relationship with the Most High God. Mm-hmm. Is it up to par? It doesn't matter what label you wear. I wear many labels. Mm-hmm. I wear the Ph.D. label. Mm-hmm. I wear the Queen Mother High Priestess label. Right. I wear the business person label. It doesn't matter what the labels are. What is your relationship with the Most High God? Mm-hmm. Do you even acknowledge the Most High God for allowing you to have these labels in the first place? Or somewhere in, in the back of your brain, did you think you did these things on your own? <laughs> because newsflash, you didn't. Absolutely. Okay? Right, right. And so those, those are the things that as elders and as teachers and as shamans and as healers and as light workers and as anything that we mm-hmm. choose to call ourselves, we call ourselves spiritual guides, we label ourselves spiritual life coaches. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. And we are, in fact, and when I say we, I'm not really talking right now about you and I, Bob, but even though we're included in that mix, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the conglomerate Mm -hmm. of healers and shamans and teachers and guides and, you know, the ministers, ministers, right, Mm -hmm. priests, rabbis, Mm -hmm. yogis, imams, gurus, iyas, babalawos. Yes, yes, yes. 
right? Collectively, that's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. What is your relationship with the one most high God? Absolutely. And if it's not what it needs to be, fix it. Absolutely. If it's not what it needs to be, fix it. Yes, yes. Forget yes. about the label for a minute. Strip yourself spiritually naked mm. and fix what needs to be fixed. Mm. If you need a cleansing, do a cleansing. Mm. If you need somebody to speak to, seek somebody out. Mm. Ask and it is given. Because if you have a sincere desire in your heart to meet a mentor or somebody to help you along your journey, ask and the Most High will put you in touch with that person. Mm -hmm. Yes. Labels are nice, but labels have hurt many people. Labels have made people feel inferior and less than, and those are the things we're trying to cure. If you are walking around this earth, which many of us are, um, I believe, uh, and Baba, you can correct me on this because you're more familiar with his work than I am, but um, is it Gary Zukov or Wayne Dyer, who refers to us all as splintered souls. That's Gary Zukov. Gary Zukov, yes. thank you. His book, The Seed of the Soul. Thank you. So we're all walking around as splintered souls. On one level or another. Um, right. On some, in some form or fashion, we're all splintered. Mm -hmm. But now, if you're splintered spiritually, what chance do you have to fix the other areas of your life? Really? Mm -hmm. What chance do you have? Do you have a good chance of fixing whatever else needs to be fixed if you're spiritually splintered? We have to tell the people the truth. Absolutely. We have to fix these things. And am I saying that in a judgmental way? No. I'm saying it with love because we're all splintered. Mm -hmm. You can speak for yourself, Baba, but I know I'm splintered. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all splintered. So this is not a judgment call. Mm -hmm. But we're so accustomed to any time someone says something to us, fight or flight, we're ready to go on the defensive. Well, my father did this and my daddy was a priest. Okay, but you're walking around splintered. Mm -hmm. Forget about it. Strip yourself spiritually naked, and if you're not honest with anybody else in this world, try to be honest with yourself. Absolutely. Well, that, that's, that's the, the key in terms of uh, dealing with what Diane Mockler talks about in his book, Community of Self. Yeah. Dealing with ego, dealing with reasoning, dealing with memory. Yes. And uh, he states that, you know, a lot of us living in the past, he mentions that in terms of those negative energies of the past. Yes. But there are positive energies of the past that we need to reflect upon uh, so that we can maintain a root connection with our ancestry, with our ancestors and with our history, with our, our, our culture. Our ancestors are survivors. Our ancestors are yes. resourceful. Our ancestors are brilliant. Those are the qualities they pass down to us in our DNA. Absolutely. Uh, within our DNA, we have the reservoir that is needed for us to be able to not just survive and thrive, but to excel, to grow. And I'm very optimistic that that is, going, that is happening right now. It's not going to happen. It is happening. The mere fact that I'm able to broadcast this show 
my wife and I are able to speak with one another and share this information with those of you who are listening uh, as we speak together and have this conversation is an indication of the movement forward. Momentum must continue. Yes. I'm going to throw out a term for our listeners, and that is the Akashic Record. Google it. Would you spell that? A-K-A. That's a good, you're giving me now a task to do, because I know how to spell it. And now I feel like I'm on the spot with a spelling bee. I'm going to well, write it. We can make it. an effort. We know that, you know, we all grapple with this every now and then. Akashic. I believe yeah. it's spelled A-K-A-S-H-A-K-I-C. Yes. But yes. if you start Googling it, it'll, it'll pop up. It'll definitely pop up. It'll, it'll pop up with correct spelling. Yes. Um, the Akashic Records, in line with what you were just saying, Bob, and I know there's only about five minutes left of the show, so I'm going to stop talking now because you know when I start, I can go. <laughs> it will it's, be a marathon. No, it's great. I'm really enjoying the dialogue. So am I. Um, the Akashic Records, Bob was just talking about our memory, our memory, our DNA, our memory. Well, I challenge you to go back even further to the Akashic Records because yes. that's, those are collective records of everything that have all, has ever been, has ever was. You can draw on information from the Akashic Records, but first, you got to work on your spiritual relationship with the Most High. Absolutely. To be able to access those records. But here's the thing. We all have the capability of doing it, and we all have that reservoir of information mm-hmm. available to our access. Um, this is not something that's only available to a certain chosen few. Mm-hmm. No. Everybody has access to the Akashic Records, and that's why I brought it up. Yes. I'm happy you did that. Yes, indeed. I'm done. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, again, uh, brothers and sisters, the Akashic Records is something that used to be very esoteric within certain circles. Uh, I remember here in New York City, you had the Sammy Wise's bookstore, you had the Tree of Life, uh, and even though most recently, and they since have, they were in existence for about 15 years, the Himalayan bookstore. And these various uh, venues and bookstores uh, sold books that explain uh, such esoteric, formerly esoteric information, such as the Akashic Records, uh, the, 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 the viability of reincarnation, the viability of understanding that, that we're spiritual beings having a human experience as opposed to humans sometimes having a spiritual experience on the day of worship and, and on and on. But and as you become more in tune and more uh, conscious of the fact that we're spiritual beings and that every moment of your awake state should be a spiritual moment, then indeed we're able to delve more into the essence of the community of self. So uh, we're closing uh, uh, this morning's show. And as always, uh, I am so pleased to have you join us and um, we, I'm, I'm so delighted that my wife was here to share her wisdom and uh, virtual essence with us. And we look forward to you tuning again next week. 
please be sure to visit my website at www.drumsofchange.com. And we give thanks to the One Most High. Uh, we give this day to you, and we ask that we are blessed, continually blessed by the energies of the Most High. May our minds stay centered on the things of spirit and goodness, and may we not be tempted to stray from love. And as we begin this weekend, um, we open to receive you and we ask that you please enter where you already abide. May our minds and hearts be pure and true, and may we not deviate from the things of goodness, and may we see the love and innocence in all mankind behind the mask of all there and the illusions of this worldly plane. We surrender to you our doings this day, and we ask only that they serve you and the healing of the world. May we bring your love and goodness with us to give unto others wherever we go. Make us the people that you would have us be, direct our footsteps, and show us what you would have us do, and make the world a safer, more beautiful place. Bless all your creatures, heal us all, and use us, dear Lord, that we might know the joy of being used by you. We thank you again. Namaste, shalom, assalamu alaikum, one love, peace, and blessings. God bless until we speak again.